0: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Big Ten revised football schedule has been released, and we're here to talk about it. What does Michigan's 10-game slate look like? What are the policies in place to try and make sure the games are actually played? We've got some recruiting news as well. All that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I want to start by saying happy
1: birthday to Ryan Zook. Thank you. Oh yeah, it is your two nine. Yeah, I Whoa. got to spend my birthday with Andrew this morning. First time uh, seeing seeing him in what, five months.
2: Yeah, so oh, so you two at golfing done. together? That's yeah, what was was very was. emotional.
1: He did got to see the <laughs> got to see the wonderful experience of Andrew Khan on the golf course and especially on the putting greens. Got to see oh, his God. two wood live in person. It was it was quite the round. It was. I thought he was sandbagged in me at first. He's like. Yeah, I mean, I typically take like six six strokes per uh, per nine, and then he goes off and, and goes uh, bogey par par, and like looks like he's dialed in, barely misses a birdie putt, and I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and then you quickly and, saw why I said what I said.
0: <laughs> um, I will say Ryan is like the first person I've ever played with who did not he did not make fun of my my swing off the tee at any point, point. and for that. I can say Ryan Zook is now my best friend.
1: Uh, well,
2: is it bad? I, I was thinking. So, Why do you get fun- thinking, <laughs> it's, just,
0: it's aggressive. It's, like, it's
1: aggressive. it's very aggressive for a guy that is probably 160 pounds soaking wet. I mean, it's like a Sammy Sosa swing. He's trying to hit it 500 yards to the center field. Well, when uh, you're,
0: when your woods are literally made of wood, you have to generate your own power. And, he uh, did hit it
1: pretty well. You hit you hit that too a, pretty decently a few times. So I, I was impressed.
0: A few times, I'll take it. Uh, all right. Listen, no one wants to hear about our golf game, but I did want to say, you know, you know, happy birthday to the kid. Uh, usually I play my my little recorder for you, but I didn't know how that would translate, you know, over the, the podcast. So we'll just we'll just stick with, with that. The new schedule is out for the Big Ten. Revised football schedule. It is finally here. I just right away, I think it might be helpful for listeners to know that the differences between the old one, Uh, the three non-conference games are out, but we already knew that we've known that for some time that it was only going to be big 10 games. Uh, It is, in fact, 10 games. There was talk about, you know, whether it be nine or 10 or whatever, 10 games. uh, So that's one more than previously. So Northwestern has been added to Michigan's schedule. And then Indiana was supposed to be at home. Now it's on the road. Michigan State was supposed to be on the road. Now it's at home. Uh, Am I missing anything? Those are the differences. So you've got 10 games, one new opponent, and they flip-flopped the location of a couple of games.
2: One uh, one thing that hasn't
1: changed is my prediction of a zero and zero record this year, but (laughs) I mean, that's, (laughs) we can, uh, we can certainly,
0: we certainly will kind of get to that, uh, you know, moving forward here, but, but yeah, I guess the, the schedule is out, um, you know, for, for all 14 league members, um, you know, dates, like it makes it seem more real, like there, there's a plan in place. You don't just schedule things for the heck of it if you don't plan on doing it. So yeah, I guess what are the, what are your guys' uh, initial thoughts to the release of the schedule?
2: I'll start from the beginning. Five home games, five away games, like you, like you mentioned, or hinted at mm-hmm. that. Um, the only, only date... And I checked this only date and opponent that stayed the same was a Maryland game. They're still scheduled to host Maryland on November 7th. That was on the original schedule. That is still in place. I think the big 10, at least from a, from a scheduling perspective, I think went about this the right way. They've got 3 bye bi-weeks built into the season at different points for different teams. And then they've got two open dates after the big 10 championship game, which is scheduled for December 5th. Now they, they have said that they can move that if they want to, um, so in essence, they've got five dates there are built in in case, you know, team has to quarantine if games get postponed, they need to move them back. So they've certainly scheduled in, um, you know, a fle- create a flexible schedule in case they, they do play and they run into obstacles early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the question remains whether they're actually going to play this full thing or not. Um, but the schedule, I mean, is. I don't know. For Michigan, I think it's fine. Like you said, the opponents haven't changed much. They added Northwestern, which I, I think is, is fine. On the, A couple notable things. Obviously, the Michigan State game you mentioned is flipped and it's now in it's going to be played in Ann Arbor, October 3rd. Now the, the question of home and away for some of these games, I don't think is going to be as big of a deal as it would normally, especially if no fans are allowed in the stands. Right, um, But nonetheless, that will be an additional travel game for state. Now, the one notable thing I'll, I've noticed, obviously, and I think most fans will pay attention to, is the Ohio State game. Uh, it was originally scheduled for November 28th, obviously the final final game of the regular season. It's now been moved to October 24th. Um, that is Michigan's seventh game of this 10-game schedule, a game that's normally played at the end. It's been played at the end very, uh, you know, most every season since 1934. Uh, it's going to be moved up. Up. I think the the goal there. Now they haven't said this explicitly, but the goal is to try and play it um, in case there is a season. You know, in case the season does get shut down at some point. Uh, plus, it goes into you know their scheduling issues too with I'm sure Ohio State. So um, I don't know. It, got, the opponents haven't changed but so I don't think it's much of a difference for Michigan. So it's I don't know. I, I like the flexibility. It's different because the, most we're starting to see other conferences come out with their schedules. The SEC's uh, unveiled it. I think, I think the ACC did. Pac-12 has. Yep. And and they some of them have started like especially the SDC, they announced the other day that they're not starting games until the end of September. So they're they're kind of they kind of delayed the start of their season, um, which I think creates less flexibility for them in, in the long run. Whereas the, so the Big Ten's gonna be playing games, you know, earlier than than some other leagues. So that's gonna be interesting and noteworthy not, not really too.
1: The the one thing that stood out to me, I I I thought if the Ohio State game was gonna get moved off of the last game of the regular season, I thought for sure it was gonna be within the, one of the first couple of weeks of the year to make sure they get it in. So I wasn't really surprised to see that it was moved up, but to still see that's it's on the back half of their season was a little bit surprising just because I figured, all right, why not start off with a bang and, and have Michigan and Michigan state or Michigan and Ohio state play early in the year and get that game in for sure. But um, that was my, my only real big takeaway. And, and the Ohio state and, and Wisconsin back to back probably their two toughest, Argu- arguably their two toughest games of the year back-to-back is, is noteworthy as well.
2: And they get Indiana the week before that on the road. And Indiana, right, true. Almost, Indiana's not going to be a cupcake this year. I, I think they'll be competitive in the, in the East. Right.
1: It's hard to get too much into these previews because you don't know who's going to be taking the field for these teams on, July, or on October 24th or October right. 31st or November or whatnot too. So on paper, yes, it looks like that's probably their toughest stretch of, of the season. Yeah. So these, the buys are not
0: all the same for all the teams. Those haven't been coordinated. I, I just wonder, you know, we haven't really heard from, you know, the powers to be about like how this schedule came to be. Um, and that would be kind of interesting to hear because you guys touched on, you know, kind of what you thought might happen. And you know, you've know, seen like what major league baseball did and their, their reasoning for it, at least, you know, why did, again, if you're going to play your big 10 games, you're you're playing who you're playing the conference is already set those are your teams and you're going to stick with your division which is already uh to a certain extent uh you know geographical Uh, and then you know you're just adding the one crossover game and yeah for michigan that was northwestern you know in chicago so it's it's close uh but yeah you just wonder kind of what were the reasoning for the reasoning behind kind of moving these these dates around and and whatnot but um yeah there's at least a a, a schedule to kind of to look at and, and, and analyze and, you know, I guess, I guess kind of dream about, about what could be.
2: Yeah. I mean, we still don't know if, if there's actually going to be football played. I mean, the big 10 is moving forward with, with preseason camp on Friday. Um, mm-hmm. They do plan on allowing their teams begin because some other leagues are going to wait till mid mid to late August to start. So we still don't know. I mean, Rutgers, it came out earlier this week that Rutgers has experienced an outbreak with their team. They've shut it down Northwestern shut it down after one player tested positive positive. Uh, we heard about Michigan State. They, they actually just I think started re- resumed workouts today. Um, so there's a lot of unknowns around the league, not just Michigan. I mean, Michigan's held fairly well, at least from a football perspective. It seems like, um, but you know, a couple of weeks from now, come September 5th, the first week. I mean, are are these teams? Are some of these teams gonna be in trouble. I mean, we we don't know, and and it kind of you know leads into you know if the season happens, is it gonna happen? How they expect it? With the pro- that's when the protocols coming. To yeah, place. so they've got
0: protocols in place. Um, I guess, yeah, you know, even they, they've they've had them now for the, even the, these workouts and things. But um, you know, today they were updated even more um, with the announcement of the schedule. I guess you know, what Aaron, you know, you you wrote about this, or yeah, what can you, what can you tell us? Kind of summarize these protocols. It's kind of a dense yeah. document.
2: It is. It was multi-pages. The Big Ten is difficult, and not only the Big Ten isn't really any different from any other conference, but it's got 14 schools spread across 11 states, and we brought this up in podcasts in the past. I mean, it's difficult to try and level with, you know, different states because different states have different policies and procedures and different states are in different situations when it comes to coronavirus. So the Big Ten, I think, felt like they needed to, you know, develop a one-size-fits-all policy for all their schools. And I think that's probably the right way to go. Um, it, I was reading through it earlier today. It sounds like they're deferring a lot to CDC guidelines and, and recommend, recommendations, but they're, they're making them required. So the, going, you know, starting now and, and once they start preseason camp, um, the note, and I think Michigan has been doing this already, but the plan is to test players once a week and, you know, in high contact sports like football, it's going to be twice a week. They're requiring teams to test players three, three days, 72 hours um, before a competition. So before games, so t- players will be tested three days before games results will come back before then. And that's when you can make a determination of whether or not you can, you know, you can play players. Um, the big 10 is requiring all their, their football teams to share those testing results with their opponents. So say, you know, you test on Wednesday before a Saturday game and 10 players come back positive. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to, to share that information with the opposing team. Um, the plan is, the requirement is to then isolate and obviously begin to contact trace uh, these players that, that test positive. Um, isolation periods, I think, were 10 to 14 days. Um, so the big, it sounds like the Big tends to quite a bit to CDC guidelines um, and, and, and in local and state rules as well. Um, but there, it sounds like they're handling it pretty strictly across the board. I guess how much how much that differs from what they're doing now? I, I don't know it's gonna vary, I think by school to school, but like I said, Michigan, from what I've been told, has been testing at least the football players once a week um now that may that's going to increase here to twice a week once games begin, but it sounds like they have a plan in place. you know we'll see if it, it makes it helps makes a difference, so we'll I guess time will tell on that
1: was there something in there that said there was the option of having some rapid test available in case um they needed to do a rapid test or something either a player appears he might be on the verge of maybe being able to come back before a game if he can get maybe a couple rapid tests done in both negatives then he can return to play or was that mentioned at all no i didn't
2: see him with a rapid test but what they, they, they did make a point in there of saying that even if a player you know comes in close contact with someone who has who has gotten the virus Um, And their contact trace, they're forced to isolate. It did say in there that the player cannot test out of isolation. So, if even if you are, you know, you're considered to be in close contact with, say, a lineman gets it, you know, it's, it's infected. And an opposing lineman who's gone up against him in practice for you know lengthy period of time is is considered um, in close contact. They're gonna have to sit out too. So in theory, and this is something I I don't know if I brought up a couple weeks ago or not, but when the NCAA released their return to guideline, return to sport guidelines what last month, and mentioned this this contact tracing thing, his ability to wipe out teams. I mean, if a first team lineman um, you know tests positive, I mean, he's been going up against the first team defensive lineman, and if a team decides to practice that way, it can wipe out a whole team so it, it's and especially if they're required to isolate for ten to fourteen days so it's gonna be interesting and I think it's one of the reasons why they they included those on um, those open dates in the schedule,
0: yeah, and you know all these protocols you know that the big Ten the NCAA have put out they're not necessarily seen as uh sufficient um you know in the eyes of some of the actual players um and you know the big 10 the pack 12 uh players kind of put out um a statement um you know kind of demanding or at least calling for changes theirs went beyond just you know kind of the, the health and safety of players due, due to covid talked about name image uh likeness rights talked about social justice initiatives things like that uh, but the Big Ten put out their own today. Um, you know, it said it was it was uh, signed, or that there's more than a thousand football players that are a part of it. You know, kind of the media contacts for it are one current Wolverine and a former Wolverine, Hunter Reynolds, being the the current player, uh, you know, senior to be defensive back, former walk on. But yeah, they're calling for you know specific uh, measures, maybe even that go beyond uh, you know what what the Big Ten has in place and some of the testing things. You know, talked about. Day of day of competition, or you know, in the in the case of someone who's quarantining, you know, let's say a road team comes in and they're in a hotel, you know, twenty four hours, you know, within twenty four hours, you know, a test, and then a res- you know getting a verdict on that test, which just isn't always necessarily possible. So yeah, I don't. You can see how this whole thing can can potentially crumble. One one of the little details that I did find interesting from you know their demands was that uh, the players want uh, complementary access to Big Ten Network for their families for this season just, or maybe for, forever, uh, you know, to be able to watch, watch the games, which, uh, which was interesting. Is but, that possible?
2: Uh, does that mean they get a free cable subscription? Like how does, how does that work? Yeah. I, do I don't you, know how you just yeah.
1: add one channel like that. <laughs> there, I mean, there might be like something online where yeah. you can stream and you can put in a password or something. I mean, yeah. I, I don't yeah. I don't know. think they have
0: like pay-per-view options for specific games, but yeah, sure. uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, all I know is YouTube TV just keep jacking up our rates, Zook, and I'm just it's, not happy. Oh, not happy.
2: Is it five dollars a month now? is that what it is? Yep. Inch
0: mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. closer and closer to cable when you have to pay for your internet separately then too. But here we are. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, Zook said his prediction for, you know, Michigan's record is zero and zero. And I think there are reasons, there are absolute reasons to have doubts. I mean just hours before Michigan, you know, the Big Ten released its schedule, uh, the University of Connecticut canceled their football season. They, right. They're not going to have it. You've got players, you know, opting out. I mean, it's almost become like like bowl games in a way, obviously, for for different reasons. But, you know, where star players are just like not worth the risk. I'm going to do, uh, you know, get ready for the the NFL draft. And then you've got. Uh, you know we got a there was a health scare there's been maybe multiple health scares but I know you know within the conference uh, in Indiana uh, a player on Indiana you know had a a scare so it's like you could see how this how this whole thing could could potentially crumble and you know Major League Baseball professional you know uh, sports organization can't can't really do it and I guess I mean they're doing it games are happening but not for every team right you wonder how college football with many more teams and many more players will be able to, and these are players that of course are, you know, college students and not professionals and not, you know, not signing contracts and things like that. So, you know, the bubble can work, but you know, the bubble is proven to maybe be effective, but the bubble doesn't really apply to college football. So.
2: I no. Know. And we talked about this before, once college kids come back to campus, assuming most of these institutions allow them to come back as, a, as Michigan state's president just the other day encouraged, Students stay home if they if they can, um, but mm-hmm. we know we all know once kids come back and and they start to mingle with one another and right. go out to eat and everything else, then you know it's going to come down to um, you know which which team is I guess you know the most I don't know I mean if they're able to stay w- with most discipline, I guess they're most able to stay within the, the regulations and the rules of the team and and they're able to stay away from large groups and, and gatherings I, and I don't know if that's possible so we'll. I don't know. It's really going to be a week to week thing. I think
1: what, what I found interesting in the, the big 10 letter from the, from the student athletes in the big 10 uh, saying like they want their safety to be in, insured by like the university. I'm like, well, they, the university can only do so much with when in team facilities and when you're holding team meetings and whatnot, they can't control what these athletes are doing. Like that's all right. You can't insure someone and prevent someone from going to a party and interacting with regular students and if they contract the virus and they bring it back into uh, or hang out with other teammates outside of the facilities too i mean that's that shouldn't really be the university's fault necessarily either so it's like I, i didn't really like that verbiage of ensure that we our proper safety measures are in place i mean the only way you can really do that is to put them in a bubble and not allow them right. to go outside. And which is just not, then you get into the whole Yeah. You did into the whole new slate of issues to, to talk about. So it will, one thing, one thing I think this year, if there is college football that happens, there's going to be a ton of upsets, whether it's because players don't have uh, or teams don't have their full complement of players on the field because they're out with COVID or just even the whole home field advantage. I mean, if there's 10 people in the stands, I mean, how much of a home field advantage are our players going to get um, when there's not a hundred thousand streaming fans and heckling fans cheering and whatnot too. So those are two things that I think will be something to watch, uh, watch moving forward. And we
0: said, we've been saying, you know, follow the money with whether there will be a season and, you know, it's worth big money to have a season. There's a lot of incentive to have one, uh, you know, at the major levels for, for college football. But that can be the same reason that that this doesn't happen, too, because, you know, these schools are just looking at potential lawsuits, you know, from whether if, if athletes get it, you know, someone, you know, God forbid, gets really sick or, you know, even worse. Is it worth it to them? You know, can they take on that liability and that risk, which, you know, it's kind of a sad way to look at it. But that is you want to look at the money. You got to look at both sides and kind of see where, you know, where things are going, especially if, yeah, there are attempts to create. Additional waiver forms and things like that are, are just, you know, uh, dismissed by the players that, that you know, they're not going to sign them. So
1: yeah. uh, well, the, the Board of Governors announced today, the NCAA Board of Governors, that they, that if fall, if schools are going to play fall sports, the fall championships, they can't force student athletes to sign any any uh, waiver that will like kind of rescind their legal rights. Um, yeah. In, uh, yeah. covid too so I mean, that will be there's a lot of. there's so many moving parts and interesting little things that are going into this that it's I, you just don't really know what's going to happen at this point so it,
2: it, And it's almost making it to me it's like if you stand back and look at all this it's like is this really all worth trying or doing you know like is this going to actually going to happen because like you said there's so many moving parts and, and it, it seems like every week something it's different like there's this problem this week and then there's another problem next week and what's it going to be like once the season starts you know, I think if it's like this come the first week of September, I, I question whether they're going to try and play, um, you know, and I've said this for weeks now I, I, that I do think they're going to they're going to try and start this. I, I question whether they're going to finish it at the end of the day that we all have to ask ourselves, is it worth it? You know, is it worth it? Was it worth it? Is it? I, I don't know. I mean, you, you saw the. <laughs> yeah, it's you saw a very tough it.
0: question to answer. Yeah.
2: Oh, I, I don't know. It, it's all it's going to take, and I've said this in the past. All it's going to take is one kid hospitalized with a serious injury, and I know we heard about the Indiana player the other day that was in the ER for his breathing issues. But all it's going to take is one player they had a ventilator, one player to die for everyone. I think to step back and reexamine and and question whether it is. So it, I don't know. It's going to be interesting next month. You already saw division three is already canceled. There's their fall championships, including the football. Now it doesn't mean they can't play, but there's really no incentive, I think to play at that point. So it's going to be, I'm curious to see if division two follows and if this becomes in a way, kind of a domino effect you know, division one's interesting. FBS is interesting because they're, they're kind of more, you know, driven for the, the college football playoff model, which isn't necessarily under the NCAA you know, um, umbrella. I don't know. I I it's been an interesting last month. I, I didn't I honestly didn't think we'd get this far, but here we are.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I didn't envy Zook. You know, you mentioned uh, you know, the uh the Board of Governors, you know, proposals or whatever. <laughs> he, Ryan had to write about, you know, this the the latest, I guess, MCA release on this topic. And, you know, he has to wait, you have to wade through comments like this. Like this is from the NCA division one council each division has its own council the council is fully prepared either through the full council or the council coordination committee to provide recommendations regarding any emergency legislation dot 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 dot. we will continue to collaborate with medical experts okay and engage with the football oversight committee comma competition oversight committee comma and national (laughs) office championship Uh staff there's just so many committees, subcommittees, board of governors, uh, board of directors, board of directors, different chair people, different councils. Then you've got the conferences and the athletic directors and their presidents, and there. And it's just we've talked about this. Just the the it just it's you know it's like, and how much uh, the are the all schoolyard games where you're tossing the ball back and forth. You know <laughs> it's like, geez. Yeah. And and no one wants to really make the decision. And I think we said last week it was probably going to have to be on the schools. And you saw a school like UConn. I mean. They decided to to make a decision, take a stand, and they're not playing now. They're not exactly major major college football, you know what I mean? Because they're yeah, but still, they're, they're also
2: independent. Yeah, they're they're interesting because they're independent, you know. So they're right. kind of working off schedules, and they don't really have to. They're not really uh, you know being guided by anyone. So the leagues are interesting because they're, they're yes, it's each individual school can make their own decision, but they're they're also trying to. I think as a co- as conferences we are trying to step forward together. So it's, I don't know. I, a lot of these decisions I think will be made at the conference level to some degree, because we've already seen the conferences decide to switch to conference only games and, and, and drop non-conference games. So I, I don't know, it's going to be a heck of a fall. I will say that. No jokes
0: from you, Ryan, about how, you know, UConn probably not forfeiting any wins uh, that they would have had in 2020 anyway. I, I I don't know Utah's roster well enough to to go even from make zero, a joke from 0 and yeah. 12 to 0 and 0. <laughs> um yeah, okay. Well, yeah, it's all, you know, this was a big step still having having the schedule. You don't again, you don't do that just uh just for the sake of it. So, um yeah, it's uh it's very interesting. We've got some we've got some recruiting news as well that we can we can close with here. I don't know, I've got a quick quick basketball thing. You've got you've got Harrison Ingram, uh, you know, five-star player. He trims his list from 10 to 6. Michigan is on it. Uh, granted two of those six weren't part of the 10. So I guess if you're not part of That's the hard. six, you're uh-huh. not necessarily post, there's still hope for you, even if you're not part of the six, but the two that were added just hadn't, hadn't officially offered that scholarship yet. In the case of Harvard, it was, uh, you know, I think it just in uh, a transcript thing, making sure, uh, yeah, he was all set and, and they offered him and then, you know, he's now considering him and Howard was the other one. Uh, it'd be very interesting to watch these, you know, historically black college and universities, uh, you know, as they start to gain steam with some of the better players. Um, and then Jalen Worley, uh, another five-star player, he will announce on Sunday, uh, Michigan is in the running there, you know, among his, his finalists. Um, so, I mean, although if he's already made a decision, there's really only one school that's in the running, but, uh, to the, to the public, Michigan is, uh, Michigan is in the mix, but there's some, some football news as well that I know, you know, Ryan wanted to talk about.
1: Yeah. I mean, just really briefly, Michigan kind of got a, a surprise commit from, uh, from East Lansing wide receiver, Angel Anthony last week. And I mean, for the past few months, it's every, all the recruiting pundits had him pegged going to MSU. I mean, a hometown kid uh, is his, one of his friends and, and high school teammates. Ethan Boyd is also committed to MSU. I mean, MSU still doesn't have a a receiver commit in its class. So, I mean, he could be, he could have been the headliner of the, of the class for Michigan state. Instead, he he decides to announce that he's committing to Michigan. I mean, the Wolverines already had three wide receiver commits and and Anthony's their fourth. um, But he he really liked the relationships he's built with, um, with Michigan and and Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore. And um, his, his dad grew up a Michigan fan. So it's, um, one of the first kind of real big recruiting battle between Harbaugh and, and Mel Tucker goes to, goes to Harbaugh. So that will be an inter- interesting, storyline moving forward. I assume we'll see some more recruiting battles over the next few years between the two in-state schools. So, I mean, he's not, he's not one of the top top ranked guys. I mean, he's uh, in the five hundreds nationally uh, the number 12 overall player in Michigan, this, um, this cycle. Um, but getting these in-state guys could be crucial because a lot of them, they're talking to other in state guys more often than than maybe some out of state guys that they don't know very well. They're practicing playing against each other. Um, so they build these relationships early on and and when one of them commits, it's like, all right, they're already on to trying to persuade the some other guys to to join them. So lastly, the another big target Rocco Spindler is is announcing this week. Um, a, a four star guy, top one hundred guy that Michigan's been recruiting for three, four years now. parkston offensive lineman, um, and it's it's a fifty-fifty battle right now between Michigan and Notre Dame. Um, so it likely he probably won't even let the schools know until until Saturday with uh, who's who he's choosing. So that'll be an interesting uh, recruitment to to follow this week. There we go. Closing with a look at the future. In
0: an uncertain present. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wolverine Confidential. We'll be back again soon.